welcome to the Astrology Hub podcast. I'm Amanda Poole Walsh, founder of Astrology Hub and your host for our flagship show. We explore the many ways astrology can support you in your relationships, career, health, and personal growth. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Hello, everybody. It is so, so wonderful to be here with all of you. And I'm very happy that you are joining us for day two of our sixth annual special edition solstice panel, focused on the remaining astrology of 2022 and getting a little glimpse into 2023. My name is Amanda Poole Walsh, and today I am so thrilled to be here with each and every one of you and also our two panelists and upcoming inner circle astrologers, master astrologer, historian and author Christopher Renstrom, and astrologer and personal growth consultant Linda Bird, two very accomplished and experienced professional astrologers that are here to help you understand the astrological energies that are coming our way. So welcome back. If this is your second day, I saw lots of comments in the chat and people just excited about what they learned yesterday and so happy to be here again for day two. Yesterday, we had three other upcoming inner circle uh, astrologers who are very amazing astrologers as well. That was Adam Summer, Nora Rochelle, and Jen Zart. I hope you loved the experience yesterday. And at the end of the day today, I'm going to go through some of what I thought were the highlights from both days. And I'd also love to hear from you. Did you have any aha moments or, or takeaways from yesterday that you would like to share in the comments? Remember that your takeaways are always helpful to other people as well. So if you can share some of those in the comments, we'd love to hear from you. If you missed it, that's okay. You can still get the replay. We do have the limited time replay available for you through June 30th. So if you registered, it was emailed to you. If you didn't register for the event, make sure you do so now. That way we'll, we will know to send you the replay from yesterday and also the replay from today. So you can go to astrologyhub.com slash solstice panel and make sure you register, put your name and email in, and we will get that to you within 24 hours of today's live broadcast. If this is your first experience with the solstice panel and or your first experience with any Astrology Hub event, welcome. We're so happy you're here. Thanks for coming to hang out with us. And I hope you get the guidance that you're looking for in these next 60 minutes. Make sure you stay with us until the end. We're going to be raffling off three free personalized astrology reports throughout this event. So you have a chance to win your choice of a character and destiny report, a three-month transit report, or if your birthday is coming up, you can choose the birthday report. And the first winner is going to be announced here very, very soon. All right. Yesterday, I asked the community why they joined the event, what's going on in their lives that's co that compelled them to join us, what uncertainty are they hoping to clear up, what answers are they hoping that astrology can answer for them, what questions are they hoping astrology can answer for them. I'd like to read a few of the awesome responses that we received yesterday. And if you hear yourself in any of these comments, you're not alone and you're definitely in the right place. All right. So Nandini said she needed insights on which of the planets will be the most activating for her personally. Mary said she's looking for a new life path for her retirement years. 
Joe wants knowledge from the masters regarding the future ahead astrologically. Jamie and Steven are considering becoming astrologers and felt like connecting with the astrologers in this community will help them toward that goal. Mary is uncertain about the fate of the U.S. and the world. And Mary, Mary Ann is looking for calm in the eye of the storm. So do you hear yourself at any of those things? <laughs> and if you didn't answer these questions yesterday, I'd love to hear from you too. So you can either put your answer in the chat or the comments or just hold it in your heart because it's always great to get clear on your why before diving into anything, right? Okay, so this event is not only gonna answer these kinds of questions for you, but it also marks the official kickoff for our inner circle membership enrollment period. So Christopher and Linda are inner circle teachers. The three astrologers we had yesterday are also inner circle teachers. We only open our membership to students twice a year and we are open now. So welcome to the new members who have actually joined us in this open enrollment period. We're so happy that you are going to be a part of our inner circle. And I'm happy that you've decided to jump in and find out for yourself why 86% of our members say that learning astrology, learning astrology has never been easier. So it's much easier since they joined the inner circle. There's also a few other stats that I'm really proud of from our membership, and I want to share this with you. That's that 72% of our members report having a greater sense of purpose and meaning in their lives mm -hmm. since joining the inner circle. And 81% say they finally feel connected and they have a deeper sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you, but I believe that these are some of the intangibles that if everyone felt this, so more purpose, more meaning, more connection, more, belong, more belonging, we would have a very different world. I'm so grateful that our members feel this way and that they found so much value in studying astrology month after month in community with masterful mentors as their guides. So for anyone who's ready to dive deeper into their astrological studies and would love to do this with some of the best astrologers alive today and a vibrant community of students by their side, you can go to astrologyhub.com slash innercircle22 to learn more and join us today. You can, you can choose to join at our monthly rate, or you can save two months of your membership by choosing the annual option. It's up to you, whatever works better for you. It's all there on the page. Check it out, astrologyhub.com slash innercircle22. That link is also in the show description and in the comments. All right, a few more housekeeping notes before we dive in. We're going to be here together for about 60 minutes. It is recorded, so you can hop off if you need to. Don't fret. We'll get you the recording within 24 hours. Again, make sure you register so we know to send it to you, astrologyhub.com slash solstice panel. The recording is going to be available through, sun, uh, through June 30th. If you join the inner circle, you'll have unlimited access to the recording. If you have questions during the event, you can go ahead and put them in the chat. Uh, please don't ask personal questions about your chart. We won't have time for very specific, nuanced personal questions. So make sure your questions are relevant for a broader audience. I mentioned this yesterday, and I'm gonna, and I know that with this community, it goes without saying, but I'm just gonna give a gentle reminder to keep your comments and reflections kind and respectful. The study of astrology is intimate and vulnerable because you're learning about yourself and your place in the universe. It's definitely not surface level stuff. So just remember to be kind and tender with your fellow community members. 
the astrologers, our team at Astrology Hub, and most of all, be kind and tender with yourself. And then, like I said, we're going to be drawing three names for free astrology reports. Fingers crossed that you're the lucky winner. Mm-hmm. And if you don't win, you can pick up any of our reports at astrologyhub.com reports. That's where you can get a character and destiny report, a birthday report, or your three-month astrology guide with the transits ahead. <sighs> okay, let's go <laughs> to uh, let's bring the astrologers on screen. And we're going to actually um, announce our first winner right now. Oh, wow. And we did this yesterday. So it's the, the person who was actually on first um, today, the first, the first person to join the event, like, you know, before we were even live. And that is Sarah P. So Sarah P., um, you get the like eager beaver award. <laughs> the early bird gets the worm award. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and for just you know ch- uh, chiming in in the chat. We saw you. We appreciate you. And you will get your choice of any of our reports. All you have to do is email support at Astrology Hub and say, hey, I'm one of the winners. And we'll make sure and walk you through how to get your report. All right. So Linda and Christopher, thank you so much for being here with us. Are you excited? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Very good. I, I want to get the Eager Beaver Award. <laughs> or you just get it by default. You get the Eager Beaver Award. Okay. So let's start with the big picture theme. You're looking at 2022, the rest of the year. We're at the solstice. We're at that midpoint where the, the sun stands still. And this is an opportunity for us to stand still look ahead at the next six months, what would you say is the overarching theme? Linda, let's go with you first. Okay. Um, I feel like it's expanding consciousness. Chris, you know, that's, it seems like it's, I have that kind of theme all the time, but it does feel like that, that it's an opportunity for expansion of consciousness. Okay. And do you want to give us a tiny sneak peek into why you're saying that? Like, well, what main astrological, events are informing that for you? Well, I think that there's a lot of things that are coming that could be um, uh, troubling, you might say. But it, it's like I was looking at the layering because we're in the Aquarian age. And so it's kind of this base layer of Aquarius energy going on. And then we're going to go back into to uh, Jupiter's going back into Pisces uh, for just a little bit for just, I think, kind of a wrap up. And I feel like this, that we're, and Uranus is playing a big role in, in, you know, most of this year. So I do think that that there's a wake up. I I think we're moving into a wake up Mm. Um, by choice, obviously, but I think that. Right. So we, we, we maybe have a choice to either sort of get, um, I always think in terms of the ocean, but we, we might have a a choice to get kind of pummeled by the waves because there's going to be some intensity and or we can choose to uh, allow these opportunities to elevate us, expand our consciousness, expand our awareness, essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. Because we because we have a choice to raise our frequency in right. this in with this energy. So yeah. Okay. Very nice. All right, Christopher. What would you say uh, for the rest of the year? Yeah. I think that uh, I, I I would almost say like getting our groove back. You know, it's it, it's getting back in touch with our 
personal lives again because so much has happened collectively and so much has happened on such a grand large scale that I think it's 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 getting a feeling of being back in our bodies, back in our identities, and back in our societies again. I mean Whoa, we're hearing some serious feedback noise. I don't know what's going yeah, on. I don't have an aquarium. <laughs> It sounded like someone like what you know. It did sound like we were underwater. Just making sure everything's muted. Um, Go ahead, Christopher. Sorry about that, you guys. But I think it's. I think the rest of this year is kind of like getting back into our bodies, getting back into our societies, getting back into our identities again, because so much is taking place on the world stage and it's so daunting. And it's and and this is coming after having like been through a crisis, you know, and then like, there's another crisis and and another crisis. And it's just kind of like, how are you in a crisis? Do you just go into a bunker? You know, do you go into crisis shock? Or is it about getting back into your life and and sort of like normalizing uh, your life? And, And I see that being mirrored in, of course, the Uranus and Saturn relationship that's going on right now. Uh, Saturn is in Aquarius. And so Aquarius is very much about these ideals, you know, these utopian ideals or these um, abstract ideals. This is the way life should be. And, and I see it trying to affix it on earth. (laughs) Okay. Which is Uranus and Taurus. And that, that, that affixing is taking place because, of course, Uranus is the modern ruler of, of, of Aquarius. And so that's posited in, in Taurus, the Earth sign. So it's almost like you've got um, a, a, a planet which is picked up a human being, you know, just if you can imagine that for a moment, you know, who, who, and, and think of the planet's point of view, it can be very celestial, there's, there's stars and galaxies and things like, and you're, and you're dealing with this human being, you know, so, so it's a reminder, I think, in astrology, that the planets handle us with fumbling hands. You know, that they that that they don't really know what it's like to be mortal. It's like if you've ever picked up an insect that's wandered into your house and you're trying to help it out, you you handle it with fumbling hands. And and I see this kind of idea that, you know, there are these Aquarian abstractions that want to be translated into physical reality, but physical reality can only take so much or absorb so much. And so, you know, there's this feeling like, you know, is this being affixed or, or laid on me? And how did I translate this into my, into my human life? And I think that that's really about, um, you know, um, the rest of 2022 and, and going into 2023. Mm, okay, amazing. So I know that uh, Linda, you're going to be our ast- astrologer teacher for the Inner Circle in July. And I know that you have your eye on September. Can you talk to us about September, like what you looked at in the astrology that you thought was really significant that you wanted to make sure everybody knew about? Um, yeah, I kind of stumbled upon this because I plan to do some uh, to uh, travel in Europe in September. And um, I just couldn't, couldn't make my reservations. It was just something that was holding me back. And so I was looking at the, the um, astrology at the time. And there are six planets that are retrograde in September around the time I was going to be traveling, plus three asteroids, one of them being Chiron. And so I thought, this is, seems kind of 
strange that so many things are retrograde. So I went back and I flipped through my ephemeris for my 50-year ephemeris. And I found that the 21, 22, and 23, there's a lot that are retrograde in September. But this year seems to be, you know, the most retrograde. And so it made me think about what's going on by so many planets retrograde that it feels like it might be there might be a um a re here's my thing i always think that i thought that um when the um the nodes were in capricorn cancer you know and i I think i shared this at one of the other things but it's just the universe said you go home if you go to your rooms and you think about what you've done you know, it's kind of like, because we were, we were living in this, you know, just very unconscious, destroying our planet. And then, you know, going on and on. But anyway, with this, with this um, Taurus, um, Scorpio Taurus axis, it's really doing the deeper work, you know, really looking at what are we doing? And who, what, what are we doing as individuals, you know, so that we can embody you know the taurus north node not just to recognize that we're just this little 3d reality but that we're more than this too we're we're galactic beings in a sense or we're multi-dimensional and mm-hmm. i think that it's kind of bringing that in and it's i don't know it just feels like if if we don't i think it's still at choice that if we if we wake up and become more conscious then it might not have to be you know quite so authoritarian and i don't know what it is that's going to say look at it you you need a little bit of remedial help here Mm. you know to get this information so i don't i'm not sure if it's going to be but it just seemed very strange that so much is retrograde that yeah it's something to pay attention to something to pay attention to and just kind of check in with your inner self and just go does it feel like it's a good time to be traveling yeah does it yeah because right well, and maybe yeah. potentially doing anything very um, like forward moving, you know, like, is mm-hmm. it is it the best time to launch the new thing? Is it the best time to really try and start something from, you know, the ground up? Or is it more of a time to revisit the things that you've already done and, and refine those and and revisit them? Yeah. Yeah. It's very much it's, it's going back inside. It's just, kind of, you know, doing some inner inner things. I think, you know, I, I wrote, um, I, you know, I'm into these haiku things because I just, I like sh- a short little thing to, to capture the energies. And so if you, you know, don't mind indulging me, I was just, for this one, it's reflect, reconnect, six planets are retrograde. What needs reframing? Um, everything's on pause except for Mars and Venus. What is the message? And then don't try to go back. Because we try to go back, to, we came out of the pandemic. People tried to go back to their old ways, and don't try to go back. Uh, there's a lesson to be learned, and it's time for inner work. Mm. So, really nice. I love that. That's a really nice haiku. It's like very much an encapsulating. Like here's here's how to work with this energy in September, right? That's yeah. my thing now. I, yeah. I started to do these little haiku things. Yeah, it's so good. I, I really think there's a there's a renaissance happening with uh, astrologically inspired art forms. Mm. You know, whether it be haikus or music or dance or you know art, 
in any way, but that's just, that's a sidebar. Okay, Christopher, <laughs> do you have anything you'd want to add to the, this retrograde storm? We like to call it a retrograde storm at Astrology Hub. I love retrogrades. Okay. Mm. I, I, I love retrogrades. Um, I love retrogrades because when you think of a transiting planet, the planet's always in motion. And, 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 and when we think of ourselves in motion, we want to think of ourselves as moving forward, you know, right. and, and hitting our goals and making our deadlines and checking off the items on our to-do list. And what a retrograde does is that it turns a commute into a journey. All right. So instead of just like the planet, you know, moving across the sky and, and, and ticking off the signs or uh, like a bus stopping at every bus stop, you know, it turns a commute into a journey. And so and, and, and it's a human journey. It's, it's a journey of like, do I really want this or I am I'm uncertain or I'm standing at crossroads or why am I being made to go back over this? You know, the the pitch that I made was really wonderful. They should have bought it right off the bat or, you know, why didn't I get that this time or whatever? We, we, we get introduced into our lives, these inconveniences. We get introduced into our lives, these segues, these, these detours during a time of a retrograde. And at first we can be like, oh, that's really annoying. Or, or we get introduced into our lives, these waiting for something to happen, which can be a retrograde, uh, particularly with the, with the modern planets or, we, or, 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 or a message that's being, you know, you know, beaten into ourselves, uh, you know, again and again and again. But, but, but what's wonderful is that it takes us off our expectation track, you know, like this is what should have happened. And I planned for this and I had like uh, uh, done all these things and I should have like, it takes us off that expectation track and it throws us, it, it thwarts us. It, and, and we could be disappointed. We could be exasperated. We can be frustrated, but also what's really wonderful that happens when a planet is retrograde is that it gets us to revisit and to rethink what Linda was talking about, you know, in, in her, and I wish I could write, write haiku in her wonderful, haiku you know and and the thing is going back or treading back over you know at first it might be like oh i have to do this again but you know think about when you go back to the drawing board you know when you go back and really sort of like how do i deal with the situation you know and that can be so spontaneous that can be so revelatory there can be great discoveries that take place during that time because frustration in a funny way introduces an open mind <laughs> i mean you know once you get past like you know why is this happening but but or even in the midst of why is this happening frustration can actually open up the mind and make you very creative a lot of creativity takes place by accident or a lot of creativity takes place when we're made to go and do something a different way than the way that it should have been done. Um, I can't tell you how many masterpieces and great paintings and things like that have been done as a result of those sorts of things. So, so I'm a big fan of retrogrades. I think that they, um, that they really sort of like, it, it, they really sort of shake things up and get you thinking in a different way. Although at first you might be like, you know, but, you know, ultimately you may end up in a better place than the one that you were targeting or aiming for before. Mm, I love this. So everybody, you can essentially mark your calendars right now for September and just make it a month of revisiting, revising, knowing that there can be obstacles that might come up, but that there, if you work with that really uh, with a lot of awareness, you could end up in a much better place than you ever would have been. I love thinking of it as like a course correct. You know, yeah. it's like you could keep going in that direction, but it maybe won't bring you where you really wanted to go. So this is an opportunity to just revise the path a little bit. Yeah. yeah. 
Really good. Okay. Yesterday we touched on the near perfect Saturn Uranus square that's going to happen again. And actually I put a, I put a post in our private inner circle membership, you know, community. And I asked what questions the inner circle had for you guys to make sure that we, we cover everything. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions came from Becky who said, how may this near perfect Saturn Uranus square in October manifest differently as compared to the last three of 2021? So I, I'd love to hear your perspectives on that. Linda. Okay. All right. Well, of course I have a haiku for that. Um, And it's um, changes in the air, Uranus and Saturn square. It's time to prepare. Time to tap courage, step out of your comfort zone. The tide is shifting. Uranus will win. This is outer planet, right? Um, Find joy in simplicity. Unity awaits. Ooh, wow. So find joy in simplicity. And actually, this was alluded to yesterday as well. Kind of this um, prepper kind of mindset. But we talked about how you can do that without being in a total fear-based, like a real tense fear-based place. Just like, what are the things that you can do to simplify? What are the things you can do to be more reliant on your local community? Um, you know, that, that kind of path of exploration. Uh, so it sounds like you're, you're sort of alluding to those things with that haiku as well. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And it, I think the way in answering the question, I think the way it differs depends on how far along you come with it. What if you uh, along the path of the lesson, um, because it's the final, it's the final square. And so, you know, if you're still holding on to old ways and things, it, it might it might be kind of hard if you've kind of been going along with the, with the energy and and um, letting go of of some things. Then it it may not okay. be a big deal. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Christopher. So, uh, sorry, Linda. One thing. So you're saying if we've been embracing Uranus like all along, yeah. that uh, that it might not be as like earth shattering. Yeah. Right. Because the more you hold on, because, you know, if you res- whatever you resist persists. And so because we know Uranus is I, I think that I think like Christopher does, too. It's like I think the planets want good things for us. And so it's it, if you are just resistant, then I think it can be it, it can be a little bit more difficult because if you're not going with the flow, mm-hmm. you know, and trusting yeah. that right. the changes for the better. Right. Okay, Christopher, what what do you want to say about that? We have a lot of indicators that have taken place recently and that are taking place right now, which is really about stepping over the threshold. Okay, leaving leaving behind what's old and entering into something new. Um, And we have that in the sense of like Pluto has been in Capricorn and now it's going to enter Aquarius. And you see this being mirrored here because you're literally going from you know, uh, Pluto and Capricorn, which is the Saturn, into a Pluto and Aquarius, as Linda pointed out, which is going to have a more Uranian bent in it as well. So you literally have uh, uh, the Saturn and the Uranus in square. Um, and how many times do you get them in square, owning owning their signs, you know, as you're making this transition? I mean, there's a lot of things that are correlating. I mean, 
you know, if I had more time, I would go on about how, you know, the conjunctions of Jupiter and Saturn have moved from Earth signs to air signs in this period of time as well. And that also coincided with the first. So so there really is this leaving behind the old and entering into the new, which everyone loves as an idea. You know, it's like leaving behind the old and entering the new. I can't wait. I'm ready to leave behind the old and enter the new, you know, and, 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 and it's a great and, it, and it's a fantastic idea. But what I want to remind you of, uh, because this is basically the time of year that Aquarius and uh, that Capricorn and Aquarius are connected to is New Year's. OK, so think of New Year's um, and, and you think right away of like party, you know, and then New Year's resolutions, you know, the things that I do that I'm I'm going to, well, how long have those resolutions really lasted for you? Okay. How many of your, do you even remember your New Year's <laughs> resolutions, right? It's like, I would be hard pressed. Okay. And that's kind of what's going on here. We feel like I'm ready for something new and I'm going to make these resolutions and it's not timed right because we're not doing it in accordance to our own personal horoscopes, our own uh, personal uh, timing in, in, in the chart. But just to sort of come back to the square, there's this idea of like, I'm ready for change. I'm ready for something new. Okay. But then there's still the Saturnian part, which is like, but not that change and <laughs> not that new. And <laughs> exactly how that turned out. Okay. We all do that. We're, you know, pioneering one moment and then like um, the next. Okay. So, so that's, what's kind of going on with this square. What I find the stars have a wonderful sense of irony. What I find in this square is it's a near miss. It's not a perfect square. Okay. So it's not like the squares of 2021 where they were perfect. So this is where you do, you know, kind of think of a circle uh, of a circus aerialist and they're doing a triple somersault. This is where, you know, they're doing a triple somersault in midair, but the partner misses them, okay? And they you know, they go down and thank goodness they've got a net and everyone's like, oh, I was so shocked, but they have a net and they're all, they're all right and here's the clown car. But anyway, it's the sense of like, it's, it's not quite the square, okay, type of thing. So there's a kind of a feeling of like, we didn't quite, so that might, there might be a sort of dodge the bullet element to it of like, that could have been a confrontation and I dodged it. Or there can be a sort of sense of like, I was ready for this catharsis and it kind of like didn't come about, you know, type of thing. But what this is all still doing is helping us with this idea of preparing for Pluto going into Aquarius, which is going to have a very, very different flavor than it has had in Capricorn. And also because it's a modern planet and they take so long to go to the next sign, we're, we're already getting those, those, those seismic vibrations of like what that's, we're already getting that information of what that Pluto in, in Aquarius is going to be. So, so a lot of this square is really sort of clarifying um, what's old from what's new but then also the paradox of like, you know, not too new or, or, or not, not, too, not too many changes type of thing. So it's letting us falter. It's letting us hesitate. It's letting us like, you know, and that's a nice thing because then we can sort of move forward with that in a more organic rather than like, I'm going to be a new, you know, type of, type of idea. Mm, so you're saying that essentially the fact that it's it happened three times last year, right. it's having a near a near perfect square this year. All of that has been helping us really kind of soften soften on some level to the idea of changes, and and 
be a little more receptive and able to actually make the changes. Yeah, because when you think of, you know, the last couple of years, there was a lot of like, you know, stand up and, you know, whatever. And, and, and so, but you need time to sort of like, I'm standing and there's a whatever, but how do I absorb this? And how do I, again, it's kind of returning to the theme I introduced earlier. How do I live this in my life? I Mm. can't just be slogans and big actions. How do I live this in my day-to-day life. And that's what's kind of really helpful about the square between the air, which is how do I take these abstract ideas, and the earth, which is how do I translate them into my day-to-day life. And so that's that's what's, I think, very helpful uh, mm. in, in that regard. Mm. Okay. I love it. We are going to go to the topics of inflation and any sort of astrological indications of things like a depression, which I know you you have some things to say about that. Um, but before we do that, we're going to have a, a lighter note, which is our next winner of the actual the raffle. So this next winner, I, Christopher and Linda, can you do like a drum roll? Okay. Yeah. Drum roll. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> and the lucky winner is... Mandy Boggs or Mendy. I think it might be Mendy Boggs. <laughs> Mandy, sometimes known as Mendy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, congratulations. You are the winner. You just need to email support at astrologyhub.com and then you get to choose your character and destiny report or your birthday report or your three month transit report. And all these are personalized to you. So, um, Congratulations. We're going to be doing one more winner at the end, so make sure you stick around. All right. So let's talk about this. Um, Pamela Love from the Inner Circle and Karen both had questions around the financial situation, which I know pretty much everyone has questions around the financial situation happening right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pamela Love, I love it. She, she goes, I'm asking for a friend. Like, this isn't <laughs> <laughs> What in the sky, if anything, indicates another depression like the 30s? And then Karen says, and what about inflation? So Christopher, I know you have some things prepared for us on this, these topics. Well, something we can sort of take some comfort from is that there isn't a prescribed, you know, uh, an inflation and a depression don't always naturally go together or or whenever there's these inflation things or whatever, there seems to be sort of something unprecedented or very different about it. I mean, they can be cooked out of all these different circumstances is basically what I would say. Um, I'm also talking as someone who's lived through, I think I'm, I'm heading towards maybe four recessions at this point. I was saying to, um, I was saying to someone the other day, I, th- I think I'm on two plagues and four recessions or whatever in my lifetime so far. But anyway, um, and still here. Damn it. Okay, so um, in inflation, uh, is, and, and I'm talking about this as an astrologer who is not a financial astrologer, so I really do want to put that on out. So, so, um, uh, so but just, an, uh, an interested observer. Uh, and inflation is a measure of the rate of rising prices of goods and services in an economy. Mm-hmm. And an inflation can occur when prices rise due to e- increase in production costs, like it costs more to make what you make, such as raw materials and wages. You have to pay more. Or there's more. The price of raw materials has gone up. Um, or it can be a surge in demand for products and services that can cause inflation as consumers are willing to pay more for the product. 
What I want you to keep in mind as, what to, as to what's going on right now currently is that uh, the factors for the current inflation, as I sort of understand them, is uh, coming out of the uh, pandemic and also the war in Ukraine. And this is affecting demands uh, that, that, that is going on, on in the economy right now. So if inflation is kind of like this sudden spike or, or this rise, as an astrologer, what I would do is that I would associate that to Mars. Okay, why would I associate that to Mars? Why would I associate that to Mars and Taurus, for instance? Okay, Mars, as we know, if you look at planetary dignities, is in its detriment in Taurus, okay, meaning it's not doing that well, all right? Uh, that Mars wants to be more, you know, that's what I want, and, and but in Taurus, it's not doing that well. Um, and so Taurus is an Earth sign, so it's going to affect your health and wealth. That's how you can always remember Earth. Earth is an element that deals with your health and it deals with your wealth. Uh, so we've got Mars, uh, which is moving in Taurus. Right now it's in Aries, but it's going to move into Taurus. And it's going to head towards, in early August, this conjunction with the North Node. Okay, uh, which is going to, whenever you've got a planet passing over the North Node, it augments the energy. It increases the energy. The nodes are lunar nodes. So you want to think of the nodes as waxing energy. That's a north node or waning energy. And that's a south node. So when Mars goes over the north node, waxes. Kind of think of it as wax on, wane off. Okay. So as Mars goes heads towards the north node, it waxes, it increases. So so Mars in 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 astrology has always ruled uh, ruled over things like fevers and rashes. Okay. So as Mars heads towards the north node, it becomes more Marsy. It becomes more like a fever. And then um, as it also approaches that conjunction to Uranus, Uranus is a planet that's going to be volatile. Okay, Uranus is the planet that whenever it impacts you by transit, it kicks over the game board and sends all the pieces flying. That's what Uranus does. So Uranus has always been associated with electricity, its shock, its, its volatility. So Mars, which can be rash and feverish, you know, is approaching this north node and Uranus conjunction in early August. And so what we're getting is the ramp up, I think that's the way you say it, uh, of that energy. Okay. And it's affecting our money. It's affecting our wealth. It's affecting our economy. <clears throat> and so what you have like in, in inflation, having come out of the inflation, is, is this spike that's going on. And what's happened is basically the spike is going on and we all came out of, um, you know, the, the pandemic when things were shut down and now we want our things again, you know, we want to buy things again and, 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 and these sorts of things, but the supplies aren't ready. Part of it was ships like hanging off of California or whatever that weren't able to unload. And another part is, is, is the war in Ukraine and how it's affecting supplies. And it's basically think of it as the arteries in a body. Okay. And they're not, ready for this sudden demand. Another way that you might want to think of it, you know, it's, it's, there's this sudden demand. And so the costs are, are, are going to raise, they're going to go up. Another way to think of it is um, if you're familiar with Walt Disney's Fantasia, um, and you know the sorcerer's apprentice with 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 sorcerer Mickey. You know Mickey is the sorcerer's apprentice, and he's asleep. And the sorcerer is like this sort of stern, saturning figure, and he's like, you know, go and and clean up this this sorcerer's apprentice, the sorcerer's 
um, study or laboratory or whatever. And so Mickey has to take out a broom and a bucket of water and go and clean. That's taking forever. But he goes and sort of like picks up the wand and looks through the book and he like learns a spell about how to make this easier, you know. And 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 so what happens is that there's a broom, you know, and a bucket of water, and the broom comes to life and it carries in a bucket of water, and then it begins to replicate itself over and over and over. And this seems like a good thing at first. It's kind of like, oh, you know, people are coming out of being under lockdown and there's a demand for products and good things again, and this is wonderful. So it's at first, you know, Mickey is like, oh, this is great. But then what happens is that the brooms, because he wasn't in charge of the spell, the brooms keep duplicating themselves over and over and over again and bringing in buckets of water until the entire laboratory of the sorcerer is flooded. Okay, so this is like an inflation. It's it's gone too big. It's become too much. Um, and so Mickey is awash, literally, you know, in, in all of this water and the sorcerer comes in and, and, you know, casts a spell and puts everything, puts everything right. And that's basically what the Fed is doing by raising interest rates. They're cooling, um, they're cooling, uh, you're spending by making it more difficult, basically, to borrow money. Or if you borrow money, you're going to pay higher interest and things like that. So what they're doing is that they're cooling the economy. They're cooling the demand. And so this is what is taking place right now. So I would imagine we're going to see sort of like a spike as we as we head towards that August time. But then afterwards, we, uh, you know, we all want the sorcerer to reappear and that would be great. But we've got that retrograde of Mars and Gemini. So afterwards, it's going to be some um, adjusting and figuring out what it is. And I would kind of say that it's really not going to be in Don't Hate Me. I don't really see the cooling off until probably about March 26th of 2023. And that's because I'm trying to get cancer. Uh, I'm trying to get Mars into Cancer, where it could be sextiling this mm. Uranus in Taurus, so it brings down the fever. And then that, of course, is going to be, um, and it gets to 18 Cancer in late April, early May. And then this is going to be followed by Jupiter entering Taurus on May 17th and approaching a sextile to Saturn and Pisces in June. So I want you to think of this kind of like earth and watery energy. We need Mars and in, in, in Cancer sextiling the Uranus and Taurus uh, in that sort of uh, April, May, then June period. It's really almost like bringing the fever down again on the fevered brow and, and the person is able to breathe and feels like, oh, you know, so, so that's how I would sort of map it out astrologically. All right. So let me see if I got this right. You're okay. saying that the fever pitch, so like maybe the inflation, like the gas prices and all those things that we're just watching go, woo, it's, it's crazy watching them go high, that mm -hmm. we can expect that really until the Mars-Uranus conjunction. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it may not continue to rise at such a steep rate, but it won't be settled out yet. Until... Right, because it's going to be adjusting, you know, right. it, it, that could almost be like maybe when the fever spikes and or breaks, I would give that to all of August. Right. Um, but then with the Mars in, and then you've got Jupiter, which is moving back into Pisces, you know, you kind of have planets that aren't really connecting with each other yet. Right. And so, and so with the Mars, I think being, um, you know, retrograde in Gemini, it's going to be like, let's try this, let's try that. There might even be an element of like, let's keep throwing things against the wall and see what sticks, right. you know, type of thing, you know, which goes on through that. But then it's actually when Mars goes into Cancer and starts sextiling that Uranus and Taurus, it brings the fever or the prices on back down again. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And then you've got backup with Jupiter moving into Taurus and it's sextiling the Saturn. So it's like gentle songs will lay to sleep the fevered brow of the warrior Orlando, you know, type of thing. It just sort of like placates and brings everything back down again. So, so I would expect sort of like a ah, August and then like, you know, throwing things and see what sticks against the wall, you know, like, you know, with the Mars um, retrograde and then like, you know, Okay. And we're looking at spring of 2023 is what I heard when things start to. Okay. All right. Well, you know, we don't like to hear that, but it also feels uh, realistic. Like at this point, if you had said, oh, it's going to be better in two months, it'd be like, oh, come on, Christopher. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Linda, do you have a haiku for us for this particular uh, energy? Like anything that that can help us? Because I know sometimes it's hard when we're, when we're looking at the astrology, and we hear news that isn't the kind of news that we would really want. We all have to deal with that, whether it's a personal transit that's going to happen that you're kind of like, oh, God, I'm bracing myself. Learning how to work with the foresight, especially when the foresight isn't something that you're super excited about, is really important. I mean, it's, a, it's an important part of, of working with astrology, of studying astrology, all of the above. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's true. I mean, because it's because it's real. I mean, this is this is right you know, what we're living through, but it is possible to look at it from a different place. Anyway, so Uranus and Mars meet the North Node in Taurus. Be prepared for change. We are waking up. We have a planet to ascend, a phrase I took from Matt Kahn. Don't be afraid. Trust. Life is speeding up. It's a developmental process. Stay calm. Hold light. Mm. Thank you, Linda. You know what? Both of you offer perspective that's so valuable. I mean, I love that, Christopher, you're like, I've, I've lived through however many recessions, however many famines, however many, you know, it's like, it's like so a lane stretch. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it's really important to remember. It's like, you know, when you hear the words, they, they seem very, very, very scary. Right. And yet we've, we've all lived through hard times in our own lives and it's, we, we can do this. You know, so thank you. Stay calm, Linda says. And all right. And 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 if I could add something just really quickly, in astrology, we're always thinking of the future, but a lot of astrology is also history. Like when I went to sort of work on your inflation question, Amanda, I went back to the last to the quotes that they were giving in the news, and they were talking about, you know, um, the seventies was really anything that's comparable. Well, of course, in the seventies, you had Uranus and Scorpio, which is the opposite sign to where it is right now that was going on through that period of time. So Taurus can be like, you know, your money, but then Scorpio is intergenerational wealth or money that isn't being consumed on a regular basis like it is in, in, in Taurus. It could be savings, intergenerational wealth, et cetera. That's going to be uh, uh, collected in Scorpio. And so uh, Uranus entered Scorpio at the height of that in 1975. Um, that Inflation didn't go down until uh, 1982, which was two or three months after Uranus left Scorpio in November 1981. Uh, The other thing that's often been cited is last time the feds raised these rates was November 1994. And of course, November 1994 coincides with the solar eclipse at 10 Scorpio, followed by a lunar eclipse at 25 Taurus. So you're hearing these eclipses, and you're hearing that we've been here before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the thing is, that might seem like, as you were saying, like cold comfort or, you know, whatever, but, but we have been here before. And what astrology actually sets up 
are things that we can follow this patterning, you know, and so you're not random or really left on your own, you know, and like astrologers who are always referring to old books and what astrologers said 100, 200, 1000 years ago, there's something that can be really quite comforting about, you know, the planets in the way that they form these patterns and that they can be followed, uh, that can not only give solace to what you're going through right now, but maybe also insight as well. Mm, it does, it can bring some order to the seeming chaos, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, wonderful. You just brought up something that I think we should go into a little bit because I I know that's going to help us peer into 2023 and beyond, Mm -hmm. which is Uranus moving into Gemini. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Is it okay to? I I mean... Yes, we we, we, we brought it up yesterday. <laughs> yeah, there's yours. We, we brought it up yesterday, so we we did yeah. talk about Uranus and Gemini a little bit, but I think it's good for us to have see kind of where there's either a light at the end of the tunnel for this really tumultuous time we're in, or a dramatic shift that we can anticipate. So yes, or what astrologers even had to say. Um, Uranus was discovered at the midpoint between the American War for Independence and the French Revolution. This is why Uranus is associated with revolution and change, okay, because mm-hmm. it's found at the midpoint of this and during the height of the Enlightenment. So it's also rational scientific experiment and opening up the world and, and harnessing lightning. All these things are, are associated to Uranus. But an astrologer who, um, you know, unlike today where we can discover, you know, uh, asteroids and things like this and and say, oh, this is what it's going to mean or things like that. Back in like the 19th century astrologers or the 18th century astrologers took a longer period of time to really sort of figure out what the meaning of a planet was going to be. And Uranus, when it was discovered, really overthrew the old traditional order of the seven planets. And so astrologers were really reluctant and hesitant as to trying to figure out uh, what, what this planet of revolution and change was all about. And, um, and, and so uh, before it was called Uranus, it was actually called Herschel, uh, which is na- it was named after the astronomer who originally uh, discovered the planet uh, Uranus. And so they were working with this idea of revolution. And, change. and it maybe took about 100-ish years before astrologers really started feeling confident about using Uranus in their interpretations. And one of the people who did was an American astrologer named Luke Dennis Broughton. He's actually an English transplant, but he came from a family of astrologers. Uh, His brothers were, um, he's Luke, his brothers were Matthew, Mark, and John. (laughs) So, but anyway, and they were all homeopathic and they were also all astrologers. But what I wanted to share with you today is, I don't know if you can see this, but this was um, a gazette called Broughton's Monthly Planet Reader and Astrological Journal. And as you can see, it came out in uh, February of 1861. And here um, he talks about the planet Herschel, Uranus, in the zodiac sign of Gemini. And if I can just read very briefly um, what he says here um, is that... uh, In the January number of Planet Reader, we stated that the sign Gemini is very important to the United States and that when the planet Herschel, Uranus, just hear Uranus whenever I say Herschel, entered the sign in 1775, the American Revolution broke out. And when Herschel got to nine degrees Gemini, remember that, when Herschel got to nine degrees Gemini, the Americans declared their independence. And when Herschel got out of that sign and entered into cancer in 1782, overtures for peace were made by the British government. 
Um, and so this is what leads us to expect that when Herschel enters Gemini again in 1859, remember that he's writing this in 1861, uh, that when Herschel enters Gemini again in 1859, that the present difficulties commenced by the Harper's Ferry affair breaking out. And when Herschel got to nine degrees in that sign, South Carolina declared her independence um, since our last issue, uh, there have been other three of the southern states following the same course. So this is an astrologer who's working with Herschel and using Herschel at nine degrees Gemini in the chart of the United States to talk about um, war or, or change or, or revolution. And so that's where he cites it. He then goes on in the following issues to actually predict accurately the breakout of, of the Civil War. Um, this tradition of nine degrees Gemini, her, of, of Uranus at nine degrees Gemini in the American chart, is taken up by um, John Hazelrig, who is an astrologer from 1900 uh, or, or from the late 1890s to 1900s. Uh, this book that I'm going to is uh, Metaphysical Astrology. It's from the year 1900. Um, and he's the one who famously uh, credits uh, Broughton with 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 having you know said this and then he goes on and he says um uh gemini uh, he says from these uh introductory remarks about uranus and when it returns to nine degrees gemini um uh it will return to nine degrees gemini in june 1942 he writes and this is hazelrig writing in 1900 um, and when Uranus attains the ninth degree of the sign in October 1943, at which time his influence upon our affairs will be accentuated. Uh, what inferences are to be deduced from the concentration of these electromagnetic potencies, that's what they called it back in 1900, um, uh, our country will pass through extraordinary scenes. Grave questions affecting alike our domestic and political economy will seek their adjustment perhaps through methods of force. There will be radical changes in the constitution of government. Seven years will be consumed in the solution of some of the gravest problems which so far have confronted us as a nation. But this transitional era, superinduced through turbulence and confusion, will be followed by a reconstructive period that will usher in a new order of things and we may look, then look for the enfranchisement of man into a brotherhood of truer equality and a socialism broader and more practical than any hitherto espoused. So those are his comments in 1900 about Uranus entering Gemini in 1942. In 1923, Evangeline Adams gives a very, Evangeline Adams was probably the most famous uh, American astrologer until Linda Goodman. And she gives this press, she was giving press conferences. She gave this press conference in 1923 in which they asked her what was ahead or whatever. And she then said, well, Uranus enters Gemini in 1942 and you will see the status of United States of America changed forever. It may be a war um, uh, the, or, or a revolution that breaks out and changes America and it's standing in the world in 1942. And of course, we all know what happens in December 1942. Um, at first, one might hear this and be like, ooh, you know, type of thing like civil wars and things like that. And of course, everyone's talking about civil war, disparity or democracy on the brink or, or things like that. But what I find comforting when I go back and look at these is, is again, we've been here before, you know, not only have we survived, we've been here before. And like what I was saying with the retrograde, things didn't turn out the way we wanted, but they turned out in a way 
that was so unexpected or did something so different that really brought us to another place in our society or in our civilization. And so uh, Uranus reaches nine degrees uh, uh, Gemini. It's actually eight degrees, 55 Gemini on July 27th, 2027. Um, and so this is this is kind of like where these energies are going to again. Um, you know, we have questions of our democracy, our country, our identity, all these sorts of things are question about identity, you know, um, all these sorts of things that are going on. And so it's coming here again. But what's going to be different is that the dispositions of the planets will also be a bit different. Uh, Pluto will be in Aquarius, which is an air sign. Per, um, and there will be trines, you know, so, so, so it's not going to be the same exact thing, but it's something that might sound a little woo, intimidating, but at the same time, it's something that can also be very exciting uh, with this, with this sort of thing that was going on. But I just wanted to point out, you know, mm-hmm. A, astrologers track these things and have been tracking them for centuries, and B, they have their own way of looking at it at the time. I mean, Hazel Riggs saw this as bringing about a, a brotherhood of humanity that hadn't really existed before, you know, and, and so, you know, and we know that the civil rights movement comes out of that period of time that, that, that he, that he's talking about. So we may not understand what's going on, but instead of being, you know, kind of frightened of that, I think Nura was talking about this preparing, you know, instead of being frightened about it, we can also be like, what's going to emerge that I didn't think of before, mm-hmm. you know, or, or how's society going to change in a way that I didn't really envision before. And it doesn't always have to be dreary. It can actually be really quite enlivening and enlightening. It also reminds me of what you said in the beginning about embodiment as a theme. Like we can be almost guaranteed that this drama on the world stage is going to continue and it's going to continue, you know, maybe even at an even more feverish pitch. And so what is there for you to do except do what you can do in your own body, you know, like in your, from your own uh, corner, I like to say, you know, what, what is yours to do? What is yours to contribute and, um, and stay focused on that? Because if you don't, you're going to be, you're going to be brought into the tides over and over and over. And is that really the most useful place for you to be? Uh, Linda, do you have a haiku for us for this? (laughs) Well, I think there's a couple of things I wanted to comment on. It's like we can look back at history and we look at what was going on before when these planets came together, but the consciousness is different now. And so it's kind of like instead of going around in a, like this, it's we're going up a spiral. Right. And so right now we're very, we've become very aware of quantum physics, that it's not, it's not the Darwinian age anymore where it's just, you know, parts and this causes this. Um, and I, I did want to add this little piece, actually, that I've been watching um, Pam Gregory and um, uh, Heather Ensworth. And so I just wanted to bring in this little piece of it. And it's just kind of, and it's a haiku, but it's talking about the KBOs, or the, she calls them Kuiper belt, I, I call them Kuiper belt objects. Mm. But they're, they're becoming, they come into our consciousness and they bring in a, they are consistent with the quantum field. And so um, I just wrote KBOs bring hope because if we don't have hope, we're just feeding the fear, you know, and it looks like, oh, I mean, it doesn't look really good in our 3D world right now, you know, but KBOs bring hope. 
bringing change and quantum leaps because it's not necessary time and space as we know it. Mm-hmm. Things are changing. Consciousness is changing. Mm-hmm. And so expand your thinking. So it's really, it's like we're moving into this, another way of, of doing life in a sense that we create through our thoughts. I just, I had a little bit with the Mars. I think this might, I don't know. It's okay if I do one more or just. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. definitely. Okay. So with Mars, it's time to use your mind to imagine something new. Think outside the box. So life's an illusion. Everything is energy. We create with thoughts. So we aren't our story. It's a construct of our mindset. So it's time to wake up. And so it's like we're moving into this new consciousness that can change the outcome by what we create. So it's like, uh, there's another piece I just wanted to throw in here. This is from Pam Gregory. Just She said, starve out the scary. And then I added, be mindful where you focus. Love in the good. Ooh, starve out the scary. Be mindful where you focus and love in the good. Yeah, loving so- in the good. To wow. make the haiku work. But yeah, but this is Pam says, starve out the scary, love in the good. You know, and it is, it's so much about our own inner work and what we are doing and how we're looking at life and what we're feeding to the field hmm. because we're aware we're all connected through the field, with quantum field, morphic field, whatever you want to call it. And so it's like this, it's an exciting time. I, I totally agree. Yeah. But it's, but we have to be mindful of where we focus our thoughts. Yeah. Because we can feed the fear, which is the natural, normal thing to do. But we have the capability of not, you know, to go into a loving, trusting place. And I think the Kuiper Belt objects or the Kuiper Belt objects give us hope that, you know, we don't know exactly what's going to happen because there's a whole nother dimension you know, that's been introduced. Mm, I love it. I love it. And I love that what you're emphasizing there is this choice. It makes me think of Saturn and how it almost, it requires discipline to choose that expanded awareness to, to, to starve out the, the scary and to feed the good. It actually, it requires discipline and, and that that's where Saturn can be so helpful because it's very easy to just get swept up in the stream of fear that is everywhere all around us. It also is reminding me again, I love how your two themes for the rest of the year actually really feed into each other because this embodiment that you're talking about, Christopher, enables the expansion of awareness that you're talking about, Linda. Mm-hmm. So they, they both, you can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity, again, for us to choose that and to really focus on what we have control over and l- let go on some level of the things that we cannot control. And yeah, it's beautiful. Okay. Any, so we're going to choose our third um, and final winner here soon. Hey, who won? Yay. Any other things that you're like, oh shoot, we didn't talk about this. And this is really important. They need to know about blank. Maybe it's Jupiter dipping back into Pisces. Maybe it's anything around the eclipses. Or do you feel like we, we have a good, a good understanding of what's coming? One comment I would like to make, um, 
is the Jupiter and Aries, Mars and Gemini off and on sextile, you know, and, and it's an excitable sextile because you're dealing with the elements of fire and air. But I think what's also really important to remember um, is that Aries is a zodiac sign that's connected to the head. And Gemini is a zodiac sign that's connected to the thing that resides in the head, which is the mind. It's 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 the brain, and so with this sextile that's that's going to be going on, I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, trying to figure out your course as you're moving forward. What I, you know, I I think it's important to be centered. I think it's important to be mindful. I think it's important to be open. Uh, and in addition to that, by looking at the sextile of these two energies, I think it's also important to be inventive and it's important to be creative and it's important to be spontaneous. You know, um, it's, this isn't a receptive sextile. It's an active and activating sextile. Um, and in some ways, this kind of like Mars Jupiter sextile can almost be a speed round in a guy what a Fury's you know shopping cart show where you have to like go and grab the items and, and put something together and there and there is going to be that sense of urgency. Um, I'm not sure if I got his last name right or not, but there's going to be that sense of urgency. And and if you ever watch shows like Chopped or you know the Shopping Cart Wars or whatever, um, you know everyone is lamenting if I had more time or or if I had you know more control of the ingredients or something like that. But but that's the point. You don't have the time and you don't get to choose the ingredients. You know, Chopped, you open up the basket and there it is. You know, or or your shopping cart thing, you're grabbing whatever you can off the shelves. And this is a wonderful thing. Okay, this is a wonderful thing. Not only does it make for entertainment, that's all why we all tune in to see like, you know, what these chopped ingredients are. Not only is it entertaining, but it is also inventive and it's also active and activating. And I think that, you know, during times of crisis and during times of unpredictability is also when the human spirit becomes the most innovative and becomes the most inventive. And I think that that's something that we really have to, not have to, it's a way of looking at this, you know, as you go through the white water rapids you know, that, that, you know, a solstice panel have been describing, you know, but the thing is you can go through the white water rapids like, ah, you know, or you can go through it going ah, and laughing hysterically, you know, as right. it's fun. or you can go through it with like, what ingredients can I grab off the shelf to like, you know? And so th- this is a real active and activating you know, kind of uh, a transit, this this Mars and Jupiter uh, sextile. It's not exact the whole time, but, you know, sextile and spirit, you know, that's going on. And that's something that I also want to add to the mix is that this could actually provide the circumstances or the setting to make those changes that you want to make because you're too tired of feeling downtrodden or you don't know what else to do, or you've got 60 seconds to put together your meal or you're going to be chopped. You know? So, so this is something that can really, really be um, uh, really enlivening. And, and I would really want to sort of underscore that idea as, as, as well. Yes. Wonderful. Linda, anything you want to add? I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what Christopher was talking about, because it feels like everything's random. 
you know, and sometimes I was looking at, you know, how we do astrology sometimes. It does feel random, and I've been really looking at, you know, why is this happening? Why, what's the purpose? You know, and like we're moving into this change in 2023. Um, Saturn's moving into Pisces in March. You know, Pluto's moving into um, Aquarius for a little, little tiny, you know, um, Reconnaissance, reconnaissance, yeah. just to see what that's going to be like. We get a little taste of it, but yeah. but this this came to me because I was looking at November eighth, which is like you know this eclipse with the Uranus. It's a big deal. Anyway, so I I wrote this haiku. Um, Life can feel random, like a box of chocolates, but sometimes there's a map. Do you remember those Whitman chocolates? They had a thing you could choose. You could yes. see which one had where. Hello. Yes. Well. What your chart is, is a map. What is being asked of you? It shows you the way and the why. Oh, gosh. These are great, Linda. We need to so, like publish them in a book or something. This is amazing. But it's just, it's, we are so lucky to have astrology. Yeah. You know, it's like we can look and see what's going on. Working with clients, you look and you see, here's what's going on. Here's what's being focused. Here's where we can do the work. Here's where it came from. You can see the history. I mean, it's just such a wonderful gift. And so that for us to have that as our map and to see that there is a journey and that we can, we, we can be mindful of what is offering us. It's not things happening to us. You know, right. we've chosen this time and it's, this is our adventure, you know? And so, yeah, it's just to be more, to be really grateful for astrology. Oh God, yes. And that of course is the perfect segue into the inner circle. I mean, if you, I saw a couple comments in the chat, people were saying that this, these two days have been so hopeful. And that's the thing is we choose astrologers to be the teachers in the inner circle based on their experience, based on their expertise, based on how good they are at teaching. Because some people are great at astrology, but they're not maybe the best teachers of astrology. So we choose the best teachers, but we also choose astrologers that have this perspective that astrology isn't happening to you. It's giving you this information that is enabling a level of choice and awareness that is really almost impossible to have otherwise. And so it's it's really this uh, a much more empowered um, orientation toward astrology, toward the interpretation of the events, toward the application of astrology in our lives. And so if you have gotten benefit out of the things Christopher has shared and Linda has shared, and then Jen and Nora and Adam yesterday, and Achuta Bhava, who is at one of the bonus mastery classes that you get when you join the inner circle this open enrollment period, his uh, mastery class is on uh, the astrology, like just looking at day versus night in the chart. Wow. And then you also get a bonus from Gary Caton, who did a mastery class on um, astrology and magic. So like electional wow. astrology. So really cool courses that you get. Plus you're going to get the mastery classes that are going to come from Christopher and Linda and all the amazing astrologers for the rest of the year. And even more than that is you get to be enveloped in a uh, mindset and a heart set of opportunity, of upliftment, of choice, 
you know, and, and you'll be reminded over and over as you tune into the broadcast, as you touch into the community, you'll be reminded of that choice because I know we all get kind of swept up in the tides of our lives and it can be easy to feel like a victim to the things that are happening. And we all need each other to remind us, right? Like, mm-hmm. hey, look, this is this could be an opportunity for you. This could be a turning point that you've been waiting for. You know, you didn't really like where you were. This is a great opportunity for you to make those changes that you've been wanting to make. It sounds to me, like the astrology of the rest of the year and into 2023, 24, 25, 26, 27, we're basically in that, that period of time where we're going to have to actively choose. And so if you feel like you could use support in that, if you feel like astrology might be part of your future, like you actually think you might want to practice it, you might want to do readings, you might want to someday be a teacher like Christopher and Linda, the inner circle is an incredible way to do that, to get that training at a relatively low cost. I mean, if you think about what it would uh, professional training would cost to go into any profession, you can do this and be exposed to some of the best and brightest astrologers on the planet today. And I can say that with sheer confidence because I get to talk to a lot of astrologers in my job. <laughs> um, and these are the best of the best. So, um, I just highly encourage you to check it out. You know, if you've been on the fence, we open, we only open enrollment twice a year. So this would be a good time for you to just look and see, could this be a thing for me? Could this help me? Someone earlier said, I'm graduating school exactly at the time where inflation is happening. I've done this before. I should probably consult the astrology before I embark on my next educational endeavors. You know, I know, I know. Uh, But it's true on some level too. It's like, if you're launching businesses, if you're launching projects, if you're, if you're putting things out into the world, aligning it with the astrology is a really smart thing to do because we have the information available to us. So you may as well take advantage of it. And that's another thing that the inner circle will enable for you. So Check it out, astrologyhub.com slash inner circle 22. We're going to put that link in the comment section. We're going to put it in the show notes. We're going to put it in the description of this um, panel, but we would love to have you. There's no contract when you join. So as long as you choose the monthly, if you do, if you do annual, then you are in for a year, but if, and, but you do save two months. So, but that's a choice. So if you do monthly, you can just check it out and leave any time. Um, and we would love to have you in there. I know Christopher and Linda would love to be your mentors, your teachers, your guides. And um, same with Nora and Jen and Shannon Gill, who wasn't on the panels, and Adam Summer. Okay. All right, everybody, let's do our third and final winner. Oh, there's a third one. That's right. Yes, there's a third one. Okay, I'm looking at my little sheet. Ooh, okay, we have our third and final winner chosen. And drum roll, please. Right. Congratulations to Cindy Yarbrough. Cindy, Cindy, yay! All right, Cindy, you can choose your character and destiny, three-month transit report, or your birthday report. And for those of you that didn't win, I'm sorry about that, but it doesn't mean you can't get a report. You can go to astrologyhub.com slash report. These are also uh, very reasonably priced. To us, this is kind of like when you aren't ready to have a reading, like a one-on-one reading, which is always the best, right? But when you when you can't do that for whatever reason, time, money, not ready to do it, these are great alternatives because you're going to get a personalized snapshot. And these reports are really, really good. I think that you'll find a lot of value in them. Um, again, check those out, astrologyhub.com slash reports. <sighs> this has just been so lovely. I wish we could just sit and hang out forever. 
You two are amazing. Thank you. I knew this chemistry was going to be great today. I hope you all agree that the the combination of astrologers on both days was very unique and special and added a lot to this conversation. So thank you. And um, thanks to all of you. Thank you so much for showing up here. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. Thank you for making astrology a part of your life because it really does, as you can see, it really does offer this opportunity to see the world differently, you know, see the world differently than the way a lot of people are seeing the world right now. <laughs> so you're having this sort of eagle eye perspective that gives you, um, just gives you a different level of awareness. So thank you for being a part of the relatively small group of people on the planet who actually do incorporate astrology, especially astrology at this level. You know, a lot of people check out their horoscopes and things like that, but to really like dive in and understand it and start to become a student of it at any level is unique and special and valuable. So thank you for doing that. Mm -hmm. And thanks for sharing this with your friends. If you feel like there's anybody in your life who could benefit from this two days of panels, go ahead and do that. If you love our channel, make sure you subscribe and um, leave us a review. We're always so grateful for that as well. Okay, Christopher and Linda, you're amazing. Thank you so much. It was so much fun being on a panel with you. Same with you, Christopher. Thank you so much. All right, right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you soon. Okay. We've officially opened the doors to our flagship membership program, The Inner Circle. The Inner Circle community is the heartbeat of Astrology Hub. Each month, the inner circle is guided by a new astrologer teacher who leads instructional new and full moon forecasts, teaches a mastery class on astrological technique, and is available for our members to ask them questions directly. Not to mention so many amazing bonuses like cosmic updates sent directly to your phone, live new moon intention setting ceremonies, and 20% discounts on all Astrology Hub courses, workshops, and reports. Don't miss out on joining a private community of thousands of like-minded astrology students. We only open two times per year. Just go to astrologyhub.com slash innercircle22 to learn from the masters and transform your life in the process. That's astrologyhub.com slash innercircle22. I can't wait to welcome you inside. This podcast is presented by Astrology Hub. You can learn more and find all of our shows at astrologyhub.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can stay up to date on the latest episodes and help more people find the wisdom of astrology. Thank you for taking the time to do this now. Thank you for being a part of our community and for making astrology a part of your life.